golf and rock and roll? Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway Don't want no hackers to get in my way The boys and me got a big NASA going before it's dry It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 on this special and final show of the season, Thursday night. We'll return next year. Wow, that sounds so weird to say. 2020 back in our regular time slot of a Wednesday nights from 6 to 7, but uh, we've enjoyed uh, dodging around the magic a little bit, and uh, there has just been so much golf going on. And last week and weekend was no exception. Uh, I'm still a little sleep deprived after watching the President's Cup till 2 a.m. in the morning. It was so exciting. And Tiger Woods, Captain Tiger Woods, bringing home the cup. Uh, the Americans sneaked it out in the end, um, right up to the final matches. Uh, I think it was one of the most exciting President's Cup on record, and we're going to get all the details from a man who was there covering it and uh, probably has a little jet lag himself. Bob Herrick from ESPN joining us. Hello, Bob. Hey, Holly. You're you're sure right about that. I'm still uh, trying to shake it off. It's a long trip. It's a long trip and, you know, a 16-hour time difference. I sort of know what that's like from spending a fair amount of time in Japan, uh, you know, through the, through my golf industry days. But uh, that's that's a long plane flight. Yeah, it's crazy to think it's like eight or nine hours more than Japan. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh or at least a flight from Japan to to Australia is that far, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little tough going and coming, but uh, it's all worth it. It was a great uh, it was a great Presidents Cup. It was obviously cool to see Royal Melbourne again. It's just such a neat golf course, and you know, one one I wish that uh, they could find a way to play more often. Absolutely. Um, how, how was it that Tiger described it? The, it was a cross between a, a British Open course and the Greens of Augusta? Yeah, it was a perfect description, actually. It's exactly the way to, to describe it. It's got links-like qualities. I mean, it's very firm ground. Uh, the ball bounces and runs. Um, not a lot of rough. You know, in fact, that's the good thing. There's not a lot of rough because the ball is allowed to keep going. And it goes into some spots that you don't want it to if you're not controlling it. And then the greens are so firm and so fast um, that, uh, you know, like you don't traditionally see that on a Lynx, but you, you see it at Augusta, obviously. So they have that combo. They don't have the undulation of Augusta. Certainly the course doesn't. But, uh, you know, it's got those, those Lynx-like qualities. That, that, you know, it drains very well. That's why it can stay firm. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of unique to that part of the world. 
that you can have that combination like that. And it's, uh, you know, the course was barely over 7,000 yards, but it's still, it's, and that's short in today's pro game. Uh, but yet, you know, it's still, it's still, uh, it, it, they, they, they couldn't overpower it. They couldn't overrun it. You had to think your way around it. And I think Tiger did that better than anybody. I mean, he showed just, you know, his, his sort of ingenuity, his, his creativity, you know, the kind of pitch shots that he hit, the bump and runs, you know, the, you know, strategically putting himself in spots. Vintage you know, Tiger. They, Vintage. If they, would, if they would have played a stroke play tournament, Tiger would have won it. I mean, that's how good he was. Uh, you know, really didn't make a lot of mistakes, and he made a lot of birdies. And, um, you know, and that was sitting a day out, too. So, uh, you know, props to him. And, and really, the international team did really, really well. I mean, they, they, they almost pulled it out. And uh, uh, it was fun. It was fun to watch. And, and Ernie did a great job in, in, in sort of trying to figure out a way to, to get that team to bond and and also, he really thought through hard the pairings, and they worked. You know, they had a lead through through the through the team competition, which is what they wanted, and uh, they just weren't able to quite step up enough during the singles play. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just two terrific captains, clearly with their history, having you know played and competed many times and. Ernie, unfortunately, the short end of the stick in, you know, a number of those tournaments. Unfortunately, falling short in this one. But as you said, I, I mean, I think the internationals are coming away, you know, with a game plan for the future. Uh, I think, you know, very impressive how Ernie took this on. You know, right down to, and I read an interesting article about how he came about this whole logo and, the, you know, this idea of creating a way to unite and bond the internationals. Yeah, you know, one thing that he said that was interesting on Sunday when it was over and that he's talked about before is that unlike the Ryder Cup, there's, no, there's, no, there's nobody really to play for. You know, in Europe, they play for their tour, uh, the European tour. It's a European tour thing. You know, you, you've got, you, you make the team based on what you did on the European tour, either through their point system or through a world ranking system, and you have to be a member. Uh, and obviously for the, for the American side, it's, it's PGA Tour based. Well, at the Ryder Cup, or excuse me, the President's Cup, they're both under the PGA Tour umbrella. And so the international side is left to feel a little you know, a little left out in that they don't really have like any autonomy. Like they're not allowed to do their own, their own, uh, system for picking the team. They're not, you know, they, they don't, they don't get to set up the course the way they want, you know, like they do at the Ryder Cup. Right. And so, uh, you know, Ernie had to get that logo approved through the PJ tour. You know, he couldn't just do his own. So like, and you know, I'm not sure how that changes, but I mean, he's got a point. You know, and I've often said the problem with the President's Cup is, now obviously if the Americans had lost, there'd be plenty of negativity flowing afterward. But what's really the negativity for the international side? In Europe, those guys take a beating if they lose. And the Ryder Cup has talked about, you know, really for the entire two-year cycle. I mean, certainly coming up here in January when, when the points will really get going again for next year's Ryder Cup, the Ryder Cup is a constant source of discussion in Europe. Uh, and, and there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pushback and negativity if things don't go well. That, that's really not the case for the international team. I, I don't suspect Ernie's getting any grief in South Africa 
I, I wonder if Hideki would be getting any grief in Japan. You know, he kind of let a, that, you know, that match on Sunday to uh, Tony Finau get away from him, and that was really important. Yep. He had a, he had a four-up lead and ended up being halved, which was huge. Uh, so, but I mean, like, there's not the same fallout. I don't think there's the same, um, you know, sort of desolate feeling if they lose. I, I'm sure Adam Scott and Ernie, they feel it because they've lost a bunch and they hate it. But I'm not sure the other guys do because they just, you know, they went there, they did this competition and they lost. Whereas, you know, how, how bad everybody for the U.S. side felt after losing in France, it was tough. Weeks and months worth of questions, and and still to this day, Patrick Reed, all this stuff that he's had to deal with. So uh, off of that Ryder Cup, and then now the President's Cup. So uh, it's it that that's the tough thing with that event is to is to have there be that kind of pride. And, and Ernie did a great job of trying to instill it. And I, I'm not sure he's getting the credit he deserves. It's pretty impressive what he did. He really, really worked at it. Yeah, he sure did. And I I read something too where you know. Um, you know, we think these guys just show up and, uh, you know, suddenly uh, coalesce as a team, right? Well, you know, I read where he'd spent 18 months and they were, you know, with the with the team and, you know, meeting for practice rounds, having dinner. You know, the, the thought process that went into all of this, uh, where he really created a plan where, you know, the, the, it fit the golf course. He had so much experience, you know, with the course. And, you know, I, I think it really showed, and we saw, a, a, I think, a very, very compelling President's Cup, certainly uh, leading up to it. I think lots of uh, people in the media poo-pooing it, you know, obviously with, yeah. the, you know, the, the, you know the, the route of last year, uh, that, you know, there were certainly some big questions. But I came away uh, really feeling like this, you know, it really has maybe turned a, a corner. You know, there's two things about Ernie that were different, I thought. One is he really appeared to take analytics into play. The partnerships weren't weren't as obvious as you might have thought. You know, like the way he put guys together, um, at, you know, like he split them up for, for foursomes. You know, he didn't have the same teams for foursomes as he had for four ball. He had a plan based on their games and based on research that they had done. He didn't disclose what it was. It's similar to what Bjorn did last year uh, in France. And, uh, and, and he, he even said he had to get some buy-in from guys who wanted to play with guys they were used to playing with. And he went against that. He was like, no, look, we, we need to trust this. It's more about matching up games and styles or, or, you know, how this course fits and everything. And then the other thing, I've never seen a captain hands-on coach as much as Ernie did. He would be out there on a tee box, especially the younger guys, helping them with club selection, which he's allowed to do. And telling them really? about where to sh- where to hit the shot, you know where you want to hit it here. You know th- this happened several times. I noticed where, especially some of their younger guys, Joaquin Neiman, for example. Uh, you know, like no, look here's how this this is how you want to play this shot right now. You know, and 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 he knew their games well enough to 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 help them, and that was interesting because you don't see that much. I think I think you know we're so used to guys doing it on their own. And that you don't want to tell them anything, but he used the advantage of being able to give advice as, ca- as a captain to uh, to you know to, to help these guys, and and not just you know subtle things like hey the wind's in here, guys are coming up short. He was actually helping them and really talking through the shot more than just the player caddy. And that, that's that's something unique. It was interesting to see how that transpired, and and it worked. 
You're listening to the Golf Insiders talking to Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. All right, let's talk about Captain Tiger Woods putting himself out first. He's been there many times, uh, you know, posting the first big point on the board. Tiger going 3-0 and and uh, winning his, you know, first uh, President's Cup as captain. I mean, what an incredible turnaround, Bob. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it, it capped an incredible year for Tiger uh, as a player. I mean... You know, he, uh, he, 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 many, many would argue, and I don't think you'd get much, much pushback that he was the best player there for the week. He was the only guy out of the, out of the 24 players who, who did not lose a match. I mean, everybody was in, everybody else was in at least one losing match, and he was unblemished, 3 and 0. He didn't play Saturday. There was some consternation over that. We've come to learn that he just didn't feel right, didn't want to push it. Trusted his guys, and that's good. I mean, he listened to his body. I mean, the the assistants were trying to talk him into playing. Right. The other players were, and he said, "No, I'm not going to do it." And, you know, you think back on it. You know, that, I I was among those who was wondering why is he not playing. But you know, you're standing around all morning. Uh, it was chilly Saturday morning. He has a routine he goes through to get ready to play. He would have almost had to have not been out there to get ready to play. So and now I think back on it, he probably, if he was going to play Saturday, he needed to play in the morning. So you go through that whole routine before, and then, you know, you play, and then you're done, and then you can captain in the afternoon. So, uh, you know, and then this is on top of uh, finishing fourth at the Hero, winning in, winning in Japan. Uh, he's going to finish the year ranked seventh in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, who would have thought this a year ago? Who would have thought this in August when he really – you know, the the Masters was looking sort of like the last gasp for him. Right. And and come come to find out that the knee the knee problem was everything. You know, the knee problem led to other issues that hurt his back and kept him from practicing and playing playing very well. And now that seems to be okay and and you know, I think it's a good sign going forward that he that he didn't play on Saturday because he, he he listened to his body, and, and, you know, maybe that's going to happen in 2020. Maybe there's going to be a tournament where he feels like, you know what, it's not going to – I don't have it. I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. Uh, because the best thing for him is, is to be fully fit. Because when he is, he's still among the best in the world. Absolutely. And uh, we know as we'll be kicking back over the holidays, we'll see the, the commercials for – the Masters trickle in on some of the golf coverage. And, uh, boy, Bob, we're going to be uh, all eyes on Tiger, aren't we, when we turn the page to 2020 and Augusta National. Absolutely. It'll be here before you know it. Yes, it will. Happy, happy holidays, my friend. Thank you so much for all you. of your great contribution to the Golf Insiders. And uh, Merry, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. Thanks. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he shanked that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders wrapping up a half hour of Intelligent Golf Talk and our last show for 2019. Teen. And hey, if you're looking for a fantastic last minute gift for the favorite golfer in your life, check out the Central Florida Golf Card. You can get 12 courses, play 12 rounds, 
for $99. What golfer in your life wouldn't love that at some of the best courses in Central Florida? Go to centralfloridagolfcard.com. And uh, yes, we've uh, just got about 10 minutes to wrap up uh, this show today. And we're going to bring in uh, one of our favorites who was also at the President's Cup, probably suffering a little jet lag as well. Todd Lewis back from down under from the Golf Channel. Hey, Todd. Hey, Holly. How are you? Good. How are you? More importantly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now it should be close to 11 o'clock in the morning on on Friday, so but I'm kind of wobbly, but I'm okay. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so, you know, I was really struck by how emotional Tiger was, uh, Captain mm. Tiger, as, uh, you know, they brought home the President's Cup. And, um, you know, were you, were you surprised? Uh, he said, I've cried in pretty much every cup we've won. I've been doing this a long time. Anytime you have moments where you're able to do something that is bigger than us as an individual is so much more meaningful and so much more special. Your thoughts? Well, I think, yes, you put a lot of effort, time, emotion into this. Um, and it was interesting for Tiger. I mean, he here's what's so interesting if you think about it. When Tiger goes out and plays well, as he did at the Zozo Championship at the Masters this year, obviously went 3-0 and at uh, the President's Cup. He's in control of his game. Um, but that's all he can control as captain. He's got 11 other guys he's got to worry about. And so he tries to put them in the best position as any good coach would be and then just hope that they put it through. The players that I talked to all week, they told me that Tiger kept telling them, just go out and be you. Um, mm. And that made them feel comfortable that they didn't have to do anything special regardless of the greatest player in this generation being their captain um and you know you you don't have to motivate a bunch of guys to say hey i'm going to go play for tiger woods um and despite being down in the first well the entire president's cup except for the last day um there was a quiet confidence about this entire team and from tiger woods so um it, it, you know he, everything that he has on the golf course as a player he conveyed in that team room as well yeah, I think it was Justin Thomas that said, um, you know, certainly he could have easily, uh, you know, tried to take over the team rooms, tried to give his advice, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But he said, you know, um, he he said, look, you know, we have the 12 best players in the world. And he said, uh, just all Tiger needed to do was get out of the way, and that's what he did. Right, and he did a pretty good job of it, too, to be honest. Uh, the only interesting i guess negative about him was the fact that third consecutive session when he sent out patrick reed and webb simpson again i thought that was very interesting but after hearing what fred couple said yesterday the tiger said he didn't physically feel like he could play on saturday i guess he felt like he didn't have any other options um but otherwise um you know sending himself out first having uh you know setting the tone for for the singles competition as he did tiger beating abraham answer pretty handedly and uh then at that point he could just put the earpiece in and go around and, and encourage his guys and so it, it was a special day for tiger that sunday it sure was um i, I don't know what kind of uh, happy little schoolyard skip that was that uh, matt kuchar displayed after <laughs> the 17th hole putt but um you know, he, he certainly was emotional as well. He said, all of us will look back and have these pictures hanging on our walls and say, we played for and alongside Tiger Woods, the greatest player ever. It was awesome. Yeah, and, you know, every player is saying that. And I, 
you know, it's interesting. This is kind of like, and no, this is, I guess, I'm not meaning it to be a knock against the international team if it sounds like it, but you know, the average ranking, the world ranking of the international team was 40, and the average world ranking of the U.S. team was 12. So on paper, they were supposed to win, and they, and they played great all week to put themselves in contention to win the Cup. But if, if, and I believe when Tiger is a Ryder Cup captain, a lot of these players will be on that team and they'll understand what kind of captain he is and what to expect from Tiger Woods. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know who it was that it said, maybe it was Zach, that, you know, he's, he's sort of, you know, been in a way in that player leadership role, uh, you know, in terms of his support of the team, you know, during his uh, injuries. Yeah, I mean, he's he, when he was vice captain for the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup a couple of years ago, um, he, he carried a lot of weight in that team room, even though he wasn't playing. Um, because, as I mentioned, the greatest player of this generation is Tiger Woods. He won 82 times on the PGA Tour, 15-time major champion. That's all you need. And he's likable. Uh, players like him uh, a lot more now. Not to say that they didn't before, but he's more relatable. Um, so when you have respect and a good relationship with the players that – you're captaining, then I, I, I think that's a winning combination. And, um, wow, the buzz will begin, right, January 1, as uh, we start to look towards uh, Augusta, the Masters, and the first major of the year, the way Tiger's ending this year. Yeah, we're going to have to see. I mean, it's, it's, now, it's now a matter of Tiger being able to manage himself. I, I mean, there was a little bit of a, a red flag when Fred said that Tiger couldn't play on Saturday after playing Thursday and Friday. He said he wasn't physically fit. So that, I don't know if that's being spoken about a lot. Um, but, you know, I, that tells you that his body may not be as – he's not as invincible as we once thought he was. He has to continue to manage his body. And I think he understands that. So he'll put himself in, in the right position heading into these major championships. Well, he knew the importance of Sunday and – uh, I, I know uh, from from the transcript I saw of uh, of Freddie's radio show that uh, they were all trying to convince him to play, but right. you know, in the end, he he said, you know, I, I just he he just didn't feel his his body was was ready. Yeah, exactly, and that's understanding who he is and what he needs to do for the team, and, and I'm interested to see how that translate into the ma- translates into the major championships. Absolutely. Well. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of great golf on the Golf Channel over the next two weeks, Todd, as we all kick back and uh, put on our bunny slippers and take a little break here for the season for at least two weeks. Uh, and then you start rolling right uh, again at the first of the year. Yeah, we had to. Uh, I'm actually heading to Maui. I know it's a tough gig. I am not, it's first world You problem. deserve it. <laughs> I hope you're taking the family, too. I am taking the family. We're going to Maui and then uh, for the Century Tournament of Champions. And um, interested to see who shows up there. Tiger is eligible, if you remember. Uh, I believe it's a long shot for him to play there, but uh, we shall see. He hasn't played there in close to a decade and a half. Um, and then straight to Honolulu for the Sony Open. Uh, Dustin Thomas will definitely play. He's already told me he's taking. He and his family are heading over there on the 26th. Um, so that's one commitment. And we got a lot of golf coming up, don't we? A lot of golf coming up. It'll, it'll be a special year once again, 2020. All right, check out the Golf Channel over the holidays because they've got all kinds of uh, great programming and recaps, including uh, all the fairy you could want to eat and drink. Right, Todd? <laughs> Happy holidays yeah. to you and your family. Thank you so much. We've appreciated your support of the Golf Insiders. Have a wonderful holiday.
Same to you, Holly. Thank you. All righty. That's it for us. We're uh, the half part of the 2019-2020 wraparound season. Many thanks to our sponsors that have supported us throughout uh, these 12 years. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in the Golf Insiders. We will be back next Wednesday in 2020. Have a happy holiday, Holly G. I've got a tea time and Santa's coming. Bye-bye.